Want your business to have the best opportunity for success? Take a tip from tech industry leader Intel when you move or expand in Ohio. The new Silicon Heartland is the place forward-thinking business leaders find ample talent, a highly ranked business climate, convenient central location, plus an especially low-risk environment for site selection. Where else can you have all the room you need to grow while rubbing elbows with the giants in your industry? Visit successinohio.com today. Hey, it's Mistress Carrie reporting for duty from MCHQ for episode 96 of the Mistress Carrie podcast. And before we get to this week's guest, Jeff Keith from Tesla, I want to welcome Crystal and Dez to the family of Mistress Carrie backstage pass holders. If you don't have yours, you can go to patreon.com slash Mistress Carrie or click the Patreon button at mistresscarrie.com. The backstage passes give you way more access to me and everything I got going on. There's exclusive monthly live streams, discount coupons for merch in the Mistress Carrie online store, exclusive access to free concert tickets, all kinds of inside info, travel blogs, photos, and you can even submit questions for upcoming Mistress Carrie podcast interviews. And that's exactly what Melissa did for this one. And yes, we're going to get all the answers behind the five-man acoustical jam and Tesla's cover of Signs, courtesy of Melissa. So if you're looking for a lot more Mistress Carrie in your life, get yourself a Mistress Carrie backstage pass on Patreon. The band Tesla is one of my all-time favorite rock bands. When I really started discovering the rock and roll that I loved, Tesla was smack dab right there in the middle of it all. Mechanical Resonance, The Great Radio Controversy, Psychotic Supper, The Five-Man Acoustical Jam. There are just so many amazing songs on there. And 37 years later, Jeff Keith is still singing with the band. Tesla is getting ready to go back out on the road this summer with a stop at Indian Ranch in Webster, Massachusetts on July 31st. So I thought this would be the perfect time to sit down with Jeff Keith, catch up with him, find out how he was faring during all of the COVID craziness, to talk about his upbringing, his musical influences, how he takes care of that iconic singing voice, what it's like to still be playing with the guys all these years later, and to find out what we can expect from this upcoming tour. Every time I've been fortunate enough in my radio career to talk to Jeff, he is always the same. Approachable, humble, easygoing, and passionate about doing what he loves. And that's exactly what you're going to hear from him here. So allow me to introduce you to the one and only Jeff Keith from Tesla. Hey, what's up? This is Sully from Godsmack. Strap on those boots, baby, because you are now in the trenches of the war room with the one and only Mistress Carrie right here on the Mistress Carrie podcast. What's up? This is Joe Rogan, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. I have so lovely... Hey, this is Brent from Shinedown. You're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hey, Carrie, go put your brow on, girl. Hey, this is Steven Tyler, and you be listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. What's up? This is Aaron from Stain, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hi, everybody. This is Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters, and you're listening to the one, the only, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is David from the band Disturbed, and you're listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. Hi, Bruce Dickinson here from Iron Maiden. Yes, indeed. Miss Whiplash herself, Mrs. Carrie. Is here to um, unchain your brain. Hi, this is Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. You're listening to Mistress Carrie. This is Dennis Leary. You are listening to my favorite, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is Corey from Stone Sour. 
hour, and you're listening to, you have the privilege of listening to Mr. Scary. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Mr. Jeff Keith from Tesla. Oh, my God. Thank you for calling. All right. Well, thanks for having me, Mr. Scary. It's so nice to talk to you again. We've met several times in my tenure at WAF in Boston, and I know uh, the band did so much with that station over the years. Absolutely. The first thing I want to ask you, since, um, you know, the station kind of going off the air triggered the full-on apocalypse, when I told everybody that I was going to be talking to you, they always asked me about your incredibly famous cover of Signs and whether or not... That was connected originally with WAF because it was, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Me and Frank and Tommy went in there and played uh, 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 signs, and the phones were literally ringing off the hook back when phones were on a hook. And, um, you know, and then Geffen Records says, well, we've, we've got a whole evening of this. And next thing you know, we got a whole, you know, we put out a, a five man acoustical jam. So it was definitely the start of all that. Yeah. Is that what the springboard was for the MTV Unplugged thing, too? Because I had heard that. Is that true? Well, I don't know. You hear a lot of things. I'm not quite sure about that. They, I know MTV did ask us to play an Unplugged thing, but I don't know if it was, I don't know the timeline of that, if, you know, uh, if, Five Minute Cusco Jam had been out. I'm not quite sure, but it was close, close at the same time. Tesla's been a band for a really long time. And yeah. now, are you guys sitting around plotting the violent death of Elon Musk? How does that work? <laughs> are we planning on what now? Are you plotting Elon Musk's violent death because now when people are Google searching <laughs> Tesla, they're finding cars too? No, no, we would never feel that way towards somebody. But yeah, there's cars everywhere. But, you know, we, we used the inventor's name back, what, 36 years, 37 years ago. And now uh, this Elon Musk has Tesla Motors. So, uh, no, it's, it's, no, we got nothing against the guy. He's doing great. <laughs> I can't believe that that the band has been a band for that long. Like you saying 37 years just like blew my mind. All right. Well, thanks. Yeah. Well, the one thing I know is we, you know, Elon Musk supposedly has a Tesla car floating around in space. But we, no, yeah, we've been around for 37 years and and, uh, just loving every minute of it except for the four years we broke up. And then, of course, going through the whole COVID thing, you know, uh, something else. But, um, no, we're still going at it. And uh, we're happy to do it. And we're still having fun with it. Can we go back to your early days in rock and roll? Because I'm fascinated and I have a theory. Tell me if I'm wrong. That, right. that you grow up gifted with music from your parents, siblings, your cool uncle. And then there's a time in your adolescence when you hear a band, a song, an album, and you say, wait, that's my music. What was the soundtrack like in your family growing up? What music were you gifted? And then what's the first band that you kind of go, okay, now I'm claiming them for myself? 
Oh, boy. I don't know. See, I'm a small town boy. So I didn't grow up with all those dreams of being 12 years old, going, I'm going to grow up. I want to be a rock star and all that. So I grew up in a small town in Georgetown, California, here in Northern California. And my dad played in a little band. We lived at the Georgetown Hotel. And uh, then moved to Oklahoma, graduated high school out of Idaho, Oklahoma, majoring in FFA, and come back to to Georgetown and was driving a truck, septic tank, you know, hauling rock, gravel, and all that stuff. We were number one in the number two business is a keychain we had. <laughs> and, <laughs> and never thought, you know, I'd ever be in never never would have thought I'd be where I am today. But um me and my brother and a couple friends got a little living room band going on. We didn't have a garage. And we're just playing our favorite A C D C rush, you know, all all our favorite songs, you know, Black Sabbath and all that. What music and, did your parents play in the house when you were a kid? Like what was what was on country. the radio? Uh yeah, it was a lot of country music. Yeah, my dad playing a little country band there at Georgetown Hotel. So, and then, of course, moving back to Oklahoma, country music's a big part of my life. And, of course, rock and roll. And then uh, my first concert was Day on the Green number three at the Oakland Coliseum with Van Halen opening the show. And ACDC, oh, my gosh, Bon Scott and Malcolm Young blew me away. I mean, ACDC blew me away. And then it was Pat Travers, and it was Aerosmith. No, Foreigner, and then Aerosmith. That was my very first concert in my life. I was 19 years old, <clears throat> and uh, that's that a hell 19... of a show, Jeff, to start out. <laughs> no, I know 1978. It was fantastic. Just blew me away. But it was just like, all right, drive back up to Georgetown, little, you know, population 900, and and everything was great. And uh, like I said, started the little band with my brother and a couple friends, and then uh, these two girls that are very good friends that lived in Georgetown, now lived in Sacramento, and knew Frank Hannon and Brian Wheat and uh, City Kid. And they knew their singer was going to quit that night to go to a bigger band. And so they got me to come down and got me to sit in with the guys. And I knew nothing about microphones, none about, nothing like that, just squealing all over the place. But I went to share the mic with Frank Hannon singing, Your love is driving me crazy. And uh, which I had done previously about six, eight months before that with a contest where you put on a Walkman headset and you sing into a live mic. So all the people here is you sing into the mic. Of course, you've got the headset on here just singing along with the song. And I won 200 bucks. So with that, and then the two. Uh, 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 friends from Georgetown that knew Brian and Frank, they got they had me come down. I sat in and auditioned, and and I Brian Wheat says I can't tell if the guy could sing or not. I couldn't even hear him. He knows nothing about microphones and monitors and all that. But Frank said I know he knows nothing. But he came over to share the mic with me, two feet away from his mouth, and he sang into my ear. And he's our guy, so that's what <laughs> saved me. So I always say, I'm like, you know, the turtles in Finding Nemo. Catch the drift, dude. And I caught the drift. <laughs> See, now, <laughs> and here, 
See, now I always say that I'm like Nemo because I have two different size feet, so I have two different size flippers. Okay, well, I kind of have probably two different size flippers myself. Wait, what? You have two different size feet? No, 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 no. I just meant in a mindset. Oh, okay. Yeah, but no, no, but... But, uh, I got all excited saying, that we were going to be able to share shoes. <laughs> no, no, but we can share the same story because I was like the tur- the turtle saying, "Catch the drift, dude!" And I happened to catch the drift with these guys, and next thing you know, we changed our name to Tesla, and '86 put out a record, and things have been going great ever since. And then, like the acoustic record was really a fluke because we were out on tour with Motley Crue in like '89, '90. And uh, we just had two nights off in a row. Motley Crue had like five different prior commitments in in certain cities. And Philadelphia was one of them. So uh, we brought down a 24-track mobile truck, recorded it, had it in the can for like six months, forgot all about it, and then played WAAF. And and the phones were, were ringing off the hook. And... And Gaffin Rager says, not only do we have the song, but we have a whole evening. And so, of course, they wanted us to redo some things. We said no. And so we put it out completely live. And I think that's what people appreciated about it was it was just raw from, from start to finish. I ask a lot of musicians this because technology is so different from when Tesla started. When you guys go in to record new music, like you just released Cold Blue Steel, like mm-hmm. when you go in to record music... Are you on the side of of wanting the imperfections in rock and roll to be there, or do you like the fact that technology allows you to take out the imperfections? Well, it's not like we wanted imperfections in there. Imperfections just happen when you're just kind of raw like that. But, yeah, today's technology can make things, um, I think, it's, it can do great things. Um, uh, you know, you can be a little out of time and you can move, slide a track over, things like this. You know, we don't really use the auto-tune. It doesn't work well for us, but stuff like that. But um, technology is great, but I think that, you know, in a lot of cases, actually, it can, you know, make it kind of stale if you overdo it because there is no end of possibilities that you can do. and um, so yeah, we, we you know even when we do it with the new technology, we try to still keep it raw, keep some imperfections in there. Absolutely, that's what gives it you know feel and all that to us, anyways. You know, you talked that's about how we feel. you talked about when you were a kid majoring in the uh-huh. future farmers of America. I just as mm-hmm. it happens, roto tilled my garden this morning. It's something I love to do. <clears throat> Jeff Keith from Tesla, do you have gardening advice for me? Well, now I couldn't hardly grow you anything. And I always joke that the FFA, in my case, stood stood for future frontmen of America. (laughs) Because I couldn't grow you a damn thing. But I do know peanuts are growing underground. I can weld a bead that won't quit. And we had to watch a calf be born and watch the whole process to get an A in that so, because it, because there was shop, there was agriculture, and then there was, you know, livestock. So 
Um, yeah, you know, it was a great experience. And, but I couldn't, I, you know, I know how to run a rotor killer good. I could have rotor killed with you really good, <laughs> but it's not like I'm some expert teeth, but I always do, I always do pop that off at everybody when they, they, I say, well, peanuts are grown underground. They're like, they are? It's like, well, the plant grows above the ground, peanuts grow underground, like a potato. So that's about how much I know from it, but, uh, no, I, I think it was great. It was fantastic, you know. And uh, like I said, I, I, back then especially, I never would have thought I was ever going to be in a rock band. Never. I wouldn't have thought that in 1982. Well, before I got on the air, um, I too was a truck driver. And ah. Yeah, so you and I have that in common. You were number one in the number two business. <laughs> That's right. Well, because it was, you know, we... we, we poured uh, and pulled and poured our, our own uh, septic tank. And if you set it right, there's nothing involved. It's just pure, fresh concrete and set the tank in there properly and you never have to deal with anything. So, But we had key chains that were shaped like number one, saying Georgetown Precast, number one in the number two business, which is a good business to be in because just about it, no, no, not just about everybody. I won so much money in my truck driving days because no one thought that the purple haired girl could hook up the trailer and get like the umbilical and all the, you know, all the connections made. I can't tell you how many times people bet me that I couldn't back into the loading dock and I did it. And I paid for a lot of drinks back in my truck driving days because people lost a lot of money to me. See, see, because they don't, they didn't believe you could do it and you did it because you knew what you were doing. Yeah, exactly. Do you, yeah. I, I mean, you're around trucks all the time because you're constantly out on tour. It, uh-huh. Could you still drive one if you got behind the wheel of one? Oh yeah, but now they're all fancy, you know, I mean, they got all these, gosh, they got automatic ones now, you don't even have to ship. Uh, but I like to ride with our truck driver, Larry. Um, now and then and when I get a chance and uh, I, you know, I love it. After driving a truck, you would know this, Carrie, once you drive 80,000 pounds pushing and pulling, driving a, 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 you know, a pickup truck or a car, it's like almost like driving a go-kart, but it's not a go-kart. It is a vehicle, but I mean, it taught me a lot about, you know, the drivetrain and the feel of I'm just driving a vehicle. I mean, when you, like I said, when you got 80,000 pounds pushing and pulling, you better know what you're doing. And it, you knew what you were doing, and that's why you bet a lot of people, and they lost. <laughs> I, I did like kind of being out there, you know? Like, I, I did like the freedom of kind of being out on the road. And, I mean, it's, it's cool. It's fun. Sometimes it can suck, yeah. but it's good. Yeah, but see, you probably did long hauling. I did local, you know, uh, where we sometimes we drive across the canyon four times a day with when our with our aggregate for pouring the concrete, and and then we would haul the septic tanks and water tanks, and so I did it locally here in Northern California. You probably did the long haul. Yeah. 
But yeah, you, so you that's the big league there. But you do a lot of long haul for the tour. So I love the answers to these questions when I ask musicians. When when the Tesla <clears throat> tour rolls into a truck stop at like three in the morning, what I'm in there. What's the craziest thing you ever bought at a truck stop? Like what are you buying? The craziest thing, oh, I'm usually just going in to find a hat I can wear, you know, for signs when I tuck my hair up underneath my hat. So Usually, yeah, I'm always going in there. I'm getting the, the you know, the hostess ho-hos and ding-dongs and <laughs> chocolate milk and apple pies and usually getting that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, um, I could be ready to go to bed, go to sleep, and I go, oh, we're at a truck stop. I'll throw on my shoes and stuff and, and I'll go on in. I love going in truck stops. And uh, just looking around at stuff, and I usually end up at the hat rack, you know? You haven't been able to really tour the way the band is used to because of COVID. What was that downtime right. like for you? What were you doing? Did you discover a new hobby or something? Ah, that was a tough time. Uh, 18 months of nothing. And uh, that was really tough. But got to spend a lot of great quality family time which was great you know with with my wife and kids and 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 you know and and family and friends and but it was you know due to the circumstances we were built to to go out on the road and come home and then go out on the road come home so when the bottom of the barrel dropped out that was pretty devastating really and then of course you know, all the lives that were lost and all this virus. And you, you had to think about every single thing you did, you know? Yeah. Things that you would normally just get out and just go over and do this and do that. You had to think, okay, wait a minute, where's my mask? Oh, it was a lot to, to, for all of us to deal with. And it's, we're still dealing with it, but it's tapering off quite a bit. But uh yeah <clears throat> that was a tough time that was a real tough time as far as for missing what we love to do most and that is go out on the road and rock and roll who had a harder time adjusting to being home you or your wife and kids because <laughs> you're not Me home and my lot. wife and kids both of us because because of course you know um I'm used to getting out there and having the Tesla schedule. And then my wife and kids are used to not having me around for more than a month. So it throws their scheduling, not scheduling, but, you know, throws their, what do you call it, routine off. So, you know, well, we made the best of it and, 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 and hung in there. And like I said, 18 months is a long time, a year and a half. And then, uh, we went out and uh, did some shows with Leonard Skinner and did like three months the end of last year. And now uh, things are just starting up. And uh, I think by the time we get up coming through uh, your area, we're going to be more in a full-fledged tour, you know, where we're on the buses. And right, right now we're just kind of doing flyouts, you know. Yeah, you guys are playing a show for us at Indian Ranch on July 31st, and it's going to be a blast. Outside, in the summer, by the lake, rock and roll. Uh, it's going to be great. 
Nice. Sounds like a fantastic setting already. Love it. Um, you mentioned your family. Is it harder to keep a marriage together or to keep a rock band together? Oh, um, you know what? We've, we've done pretty good with both. Um, easier for a marriage because um, it's two people. And then, of course, if you have kids. But but with a band, it's five guys, or in our situation, five guys. And it's so like it's a five-person marriage. But we're brothers. We've been brothers for so many years. And so we make it work. And uh, we get along really well. You know, we've had some ins and outs and stuff. And... Uh, and it happens, but um, yeah, it's probably, I, you know, it's probably harder. Maybe I don't want to say harder for either one, because it all depends on what you put into it. I've never Let's had anyone in a band tell me that a marriage was harder. Every single person says exactly <clears throat> what you said that there's so many more personalities in a band that that just complicates things even more. Right, exactly. But as long as you, you know. You know, you got a system that kind of works and, and you know, you give and take. And we really enjoy what we do, uh, Carrie. We really do. And and, and uh, hopefully that shows. And, and I, I know it sh- it, that's how we feel. I mean, we love getting on stage because that's the moment where nobody can, like, touch us. It's us, just us five and phone phones or hold all calls and all that kind of stuff, you know, and get up there and have a great time. People are having a great time and it's just a full circle, great atmosphere and a rock and roll, great time. I got married in the height of COVID, so I'm still kind of a newlywed. And my husband, yeah, my husband's a country music fan, which has been hard for me. Can you tell me some country music that maybe I should listen to that might help my marriage? Because it's not my thing. (laughs) But see, I don't know, because see, I'm a country boy at heart, too. So uh, growing up in Oklahoma, man, I got George Jones, Merle Haggard, Johnny Cash. I mean, yeah, I mean, just the list goes on and on. So... I love country music, so, but I don't know what kind of country music that your your husband likes now, because he might like the newer country, which I'm not that familiar with. Nah, I'm, he likes I'm the old school, school stuff. He likes the Johnny Cash, like that kind of stuff. That's what he's into. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. George Jones, Johnny Cash. Oh, yeah. Merle Haggard. All that stuff. I love it. I love it. When I listen to country music, that's what I listen to, so. I'm not that hip on the newer stuff, but there's some great newer stuff that 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 people have played for me. It sounds great. So yeah, man, just good old good old country music. Just I, I don't know. I'm sure if you guys sit down and listen to some music together and go, oh, I like that, and he goes, oh, I like that too, or maybe you go, oh, I don't really like that. <clears throat> well, I like all kinds of music, so I love rock and roll. Big time. I love country music. I love R&B. I love a lot of things. I love a lot of music that I grew up on, you know. So um, hopefully you guys find, you know, a common ground with I'm it. I'm trying and, to get him to love rock music. So I'm trying to help him out a little bit, too. He loves uh, ACDC, well, be, so we're on the right track. 
Well, there you go. If you love ACDC, hey, that's a great rock band to share. And then, you know, give him a chance and let him play some of his country stuff and, and, and just listen to it. There's a lot, lot of heart and soul in the country music, but that's just my take on it. So, you know, uh, I'm sure you guys will find something that, that, that you'll share together. I love asking songwriters this question because I love music. And I can hear music and, and kind of know that it's good, right? But I can't write it myself. So as a songwriter, and this is a songwriting question, so it's any genre, any artist, that doesn't matter. Can you give me an example or two of a song that you feel is so well-crafted that you wish you wrote it, like an example of perfect songwriting, and then explain why? Ah. Man, there's so many great songs that touch me. Ah, uh, wow. Yeah, it's uh, a hard question because there's so... It but, is a hard question. But you're going to come at it from a different perspective, right? Because you're going to be able to well, kind of do an autopsy on the song, whereas I wouldn't be able to break it apart the way you would because you write songs. I don't know, but I'm a pretty simple guy up to my neck. With AC, by ACDC with Bon Scott, and I love the stuff with Brian Johnson. But I mean, oh my gosh. And I love a lot of bands like from Corn, Coming Undone. Uh, I mean, there's the list goes on and on. Nickelback, Photograph Someday. I mean, I don't know where to start, where to finish. <laughs> Def Leppard, oh my gosh. You know, where, I mean, there's so many. That when I'm asked what's your top ten favorites, like I can't do that. You're on a deserted island with ten, you know, with ten records. What ten records do you want? I'm like, I don't want to be on a deserted island. They go, I know, but can you just pick ten? <laughs> it's tough for me to pick ten. Well, that's why I, I like what? this coming from the songwriting perspective, right? Because there, <clears throat> there's, it's a skill that not everybody has to be able to write right. a song. Sure, sure, yeah. Well, you know, as long as it comes from the heart. I can even throw Tessa in there, what you give, songs like that, and, and you know, uh, Cowboy Love Song. I mean, there's a lot of Tessa songs that are they're from the heart. So, you know, uh, there's so many songs, too many to choose from, Carrie. That, that's a tough question for me, a guy like me. You talk about Def Leppard, and you've worked with Phil Collin on a, on a producing band kind of relationship is it hard when you're already friends with the person to put them in a position to produce you no we did shock uh the shock record with uh phil collin and it was a lot of fun it's a different approach on things and and uh you know phil did a fantastic job he's a great guy for starters he's just an awesome guy and he really knows what he's doing and and uh he helps us make a record that we definitely couldn't have made on our own so uh we had a great time with it it was a fantastic experience now that you're getting ready to go out and start touring like you used to do obviously pre-covid um What's your regimen to get your voice ready, and how do you take care of it when you're touring hard like you're going to this summer? Uh, I'm, I just, 
I'm I'm a, I'm an odd bird. I just be myself all day, and then because that's kind of who I am on stage. So I know you're supposed to do the la 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 me 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 me. I know you're you're supposed to do all those things I learned way back in the early days, but I just just like I'm sitting here talking to you, and I'm just like that, and then that's who I am on stage, and just singing words to a melody, you know. So. And having fun with my buddies. So um, I don't do the normal, you know, drink the tea and do all that stuff. And I, I just uh, be myself all day. And then I can kind of tell if I, it's like, ah, I'm just being my my usual self. And ah, I can feel that my voice feels a little under. I don't know. It happens. You know, I mean, when when you're a vocalist, you know, and you're the singer, your your voice is built in, so it's tough because you, you just can't change the strings or change the heads or get a new set of sticks. Or not that that makes it any easier for the other guys, but they can be hacking with a chest cold. But a chest cold for me is like, oh, oh. That's what Jonathan Davis said that exact same thing to me, that he was like, look, we can, you know, you guys can still function if you're sick. Without me, there's no show. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's exactly. You know, I mean, you know, it's like Brian Wheat, we call him B-Dub. He's had to put super glue on his fingers before because he's got blisters on his fingers. <laughs> but, <laughs> and it works, but <clears throat> with a voice, and with vocal cords and everything, if you get if you get things swelled up and inflamed up, next you know there has been a time where I got shut down for five days because a you know like a blood vessel was going to burst and it could ruin your whole career. And so to go for a talkative guy like me, a yik yakker, and to just sit on a bus for five days using a dry erase board, whew, that's a tough one. But it was necessary. Because, you know, like I said, things can get swelled up in that chest cold. It's all right when you're kind of hacking a coffin, but once it moves into your chest, ah, it can be tough. And there's been times where we've had to push shows back and we've always made them up. But um, it's tough. It's what, it's what I always say every time we go on the road. It's like I'm carrying a a, a bag of bricks on my shoulder, you know? You're always carrying that bag of bricks around because, you know, um, if you just sit there and just can kind of carry on like everybody else and run around here, run around there, and next you know your your voice is tired and it's not putting out, and that's not a fun place to be because, uh, you know, it puts a lot of kind of kind of a lot of pressure on you, and you try not to let it put a lot of pressure on you. Think about it. Don't try to never overthink anything anytime i've ever tried to think about something i messed it up it's usually try to just go by natural feel but yeah you know with the voice being your instrument you're always carrying that sack that that sack of bricks on your shoulder and uh because you can be the showstopper if 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 it gets bad enough you know I've done a lot of interviews over the years, and there seems to be a genetic component when it comes to musical ability. Did you pass that off to the kids? Are they musicians too? Uh, my son, Joe Bob, he's turned 11. Uh, he uh, plays drums. Um, Troy, look at it, got him a set of drums, set of drums here, uh, you know, for his size. 
couple of years ago. He's got him in the garage. He can bang him. He takes drum lessons. And, and he, from kindergarten on, they have this thing called uh, rock star program. So when he was started kindergarten, he was, you know, playing keyboards. And then he, the next year in first grade, he's going, I'm going to be the bass player, dad. And, and you know, uh, so yeah, he plays a few different kinds of instruments, but he's, you know, we ride dirt bikes and do things like that. So it's not like he's just, just locked in to be a musician. He just likes to do overall. As a matter of fact, we got it this weekend. We're going to a baseball tournament down in, uh, uh, Central California for a couple of days, and uh, he's in. The, he's, he's on a little AAA travel team, and he does really well. So baseball seems to be his passion. He's dying to play football, but we'll see how that goes. Tackle football. Are you a sports and, guy? I mean, this is Boston after all. We got the Red I'm, Sox. Like, are you kidding? I love sports, hockey, baseball. I love it. I, I love it all, but sometimes, especially these days, and they want them to do it, it's the showboat and stuff. So, football, I love the game of football, especially from the 60s and 70s and 80s, but a lot of showboating going on there. Um, but I love baseball and hockey because there's not, not, not much, you know, there's not much time for showboating. Baseball, maybe a little bit. Hockey, it's like, it's on. You know, and there's no time to go, hey, look at me. And there's you not know, a lot of other like, sports where you get to punch the guy in the face. Right, right, right. Well, you know, that aggression comes out. But they are playing hard. But I, I love sports. And I just love it where there's not much time for showboating. But showboating is like a big deal. And now stats have come in. And, you know, so... Uh, you can have players with great stats and people can put together their little, you know, uh, team and go, oh, man, it was a great weekend. You go, ah, oh, I don't know. The games weren't really that well, that good. But they're like, I know what I want. <laughs> so since stats came along, I don't know, for me, that's taken away from the sport a little. But that's just me. Once again, I'm an odd guy a little bit. I'm the odd bird out a little bit. Because I just like good old-fashioned, make a great play, hand the ref the ball, and let's go and do it again. Before I let you go, we were separated yeah. from the bands we love for so long because of COVID. What was the perspective like being kept from your fans? And what do you want to say to the fans after all these years, now that you're finally able to get back out on the road in a major way? Well, it's always great that we're going to be back with them playing, you know, full circle, having a great time sharing that met, you know, that those great moments on stage and they're in the audience. And like I said, it becomes full circle and the vibe is just in the air and really looking forward to that. And, and, uh, you know, and I'll be glad when things are calmed down enough to where you go back and, you know, and you see some fans outside, you can go sign an autograph for them. And you can go put your arm around them and take a picture. You know, I miss those days, you know? Yeah. It, so, it, it's it been hard not being able, 
you know, as a fan to be able to go to those shows and be in those rooms and have the energy of all the other fans with you and listen to the music you love. We all kind of got isolated from that place we go to blow off steam. I know. And I, I'm a very fan oriented person. I love the fans and we all do in Tampa, but I just thrive on it. And so a really hard part for me so far getting back into it is, is, is I miss, I miss, uh, for lack of words I can think of right now, mingling with the fans. I like to mingle with the fans. So at this point, things still have to be kind of careful. So I really miss that, but I really am excited to be back. We are on stage and having that full house of energy, just like, wow, all right. Just sharing that moment of us on stage, the fans in the crowd, and, you know, and hopefully we're playing some of their favorite songs and, and we're having it. We're just having a blast of five up there on stage and chilling together. And it's just one big happy atmosphere. Well, I'm hoping that we can do some mingling on July 31st when you're playing the show for us. So I can't wait to see you. I hope so too, Carrie. Let's, let's keep our fingers crossed and hope things, you know, they're, they're going in the right direction. They stay going in the right direction. Jeff, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, Carrie. Uh, I, I appreciate talking with you. And, you know, you already know this. Can't find them, grind them. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk to you soon and we'll see you this summer. Okay, see you this summer. There he is, Jeff Keith from Tesla. You can see the band on July 31st. 100 FM The Pike presents Tesla at Indian Ranch in Webster, Massachusetts. Tickets are available right now, and there's a link in the show notes of this podcast. While you're there, you can also find the link to the corresponding playlist. Every full-length episode of the Mistress Carrie podcast gets a playlist that is full of all of the music that we talked about in this episode. You'll also find all the links to find Tesla online, and you'll find all of the links to find me online as well. And if you liked what you heard, don't forget to subscribe and follow the Mistress Carrie podcast so you don't miss anything. New full-length episodes come out every Wednesday, plus every weekday you get the sit rep, which is all your rock news, music headlines, and industry info in less than five minutes. And if you're feeling a little thirsty, every Tuesday night at 8.30 Eastern, I'm streaming live on my official Facebook page for my video show, Cocktails in the War Room. Get details on all of that online at MistressCarrie.com. The Mistress Carrie Podcast, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 